In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints of God, in the Gospel we find Jesus finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. And He gives to the crowd and to the disciples who were gathered there and to us, His dear Christians, some very specific instructions. In fact, more than instructions. He gives us a warning and threats to go with it. He says, Beware of false prophets. This is our Lord Jesus preaching on the second commandments and especially the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? That we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and His Word, but gladly hear it, delight in it, cast away every false doctrine and false teacher as we rejoice in His pure Word and we learn it. But we've got a problem. In fact, I think we have generally three problems when it comes to this command of our Lord Jesus. Three things, three difficulties that stand in the way of our keeping it. The first is quite simply, we don't want to do it. Beware of false prophets. It's distasteful to us. It seems to us to be simply rude or extreme to worry about false doctrine. The differences of teaching... We're trained in our thinking. I don't know where this comes from. I think it might be kind of modern, but maybe not. We're trained in our thinking to not be critical, to not be judgmental. But Jesus is telling us here, commanding us here to do the opposite. To be wary of false prophets means to be critical. It means to be judgmental. It means to listen to the person who would teach you what is true and compare what they are teaching with what the Bible says. And if it is contradictory to the Scriptures or skewed from the Scriptures, we reject it. Now that is judgmental. It is critical. You know, I think what makes this so difficult for us is, th is this. All of us, almost all of us in here have studied the small catechism and we all put our names to it. We've said, yes, this teaches, this small catechism teaches the truth of the scriptures. But all of us have friends and family who go to different churches. They've bound their names to a different teaching, to a different doctrine. And these are our friends. And they're good people. We know on the one hand that they've believed false doctrine about whatever, about the Bible or about baptism or the Lord's Supper or what the death of Jesus on the cross means or, or whatever it is. They've believed false doctrine. We, we know that they've listened to and probably believed false teaching. And yet they, we also know that they're our good friends and that they care for us and that they pray for us and that they believe in Jesus. These friends might even read their Bibles more than we do and pray more than you and have a more earnest Christian life. And we look at this and we say, it must be that false teaching is really not that important. It's really not that big of a deal. Do you know that thought? I want to I try to find where this is in our hearts and in my heart as well so we can compare it with the Scriptures. It's probably this. Do you, do you have a little slight cringe whenever we have the Lord's Supper and I make the closed communion announcement at the beginning of the service? Uh, unity of doctrine comes before unity of communion. Surely it can't be that big of a deal. 
I mean, really, telling someone that they're wrong, that they hold to a false teaching, that their understanding of the Scriptures is an error, is critical. It's judgmental. And in our minds, it's rude. And we don't want to be rude. But here Jesus stands commanding us to beware of false prophets. He's telling us to be on our guard for false teaching. And this, in our Lord's mind, is important. In fact, it's utterly important. It is of the utmost importance. Do you know that every time that the Bible uses this word beware, I, I think it's every time but one, the Bible says beware. It's to beware of false teachers or beware of false doctrine. Here's Philippians 3. Paul says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Those are the false teachers that were commanding that the Christians would have to be circumcised before they could be believers. Or again, Paul, Colossians 2, verse 8, Beware that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Or Peter his second epistle, 3.17. Therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware that you also, being led away with error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. When the Bible gives us a warning, when it says beware, it's warning us of false doctrine because false doctrine is dangerous. In fact, it's the most dangerous thing in the world. False doctrine is the devil's attempts either slowly or all at once, to pull you away from Jesus, to dislodge the cross from your heart, to stuff your ears with whatever it is so that you don't hear the gospel. We might not like it. We might think it's rude, but we have the command of Jesus and we cannot escape it. Beware of false prophets. But that's just the first problem. The second problem with this command of Jesus is that it is difficult work. Looking out for false teachers is difficult. Jesus gives us this indication in the text. He says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree, the rotted tree, bears bad fruit. The false prophets, says Jesus, are dressed up. They're disguised. They come incognito. And they're not dressed up like the shepherd, but like the sheep. You would most likely describe a false teacher like this. He's such a nice guy. Or even like this. He's so spiritual. What can be dangerous? He looks just like a sheep. Jesus tells us how to locate the false teachers, and, and this is why it's so difficult. It's not their looks or outward appearance or even their life, their good works, but it's their fruit, that is, their teaching that you will know them. Jesus clarifies this in Matthew chapter 12. He says, uh, this is chapter 12, verse 33 to 37. Jesus preaches, either make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree bad and the fruit bad. For the trees known by the fruit, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, or by your words you will be condemned. The false preacher, then, is known by their false preaching. This means that when it comes to being aware of false preachers, we look not to the holiness of a person's life, to the sincerity of their intentions, to the beauty of their prayers, to the size of their church, to the popularity of their books or whatever. We compare their teaching to God's Word. That's it. But that, again, is difficult. It takes some effort. We at least have to have our Bibles open. We have to remember our catechism. And there is no shortcut here. Make no mistake. The Lord Jesus would have, in fact, commands in this text and in others that each of his Christians is a student of the Scriptures. Now think of that for just a bit. And ask yourself this question. Is that how you consider yourself? A student of God's Word. If not, repent. This is not an option. You should know something more about the Bible this year than you did last year. And being in church, being here, and listening to the sermon is good. It's important. But it is not enough. Our meditating on the Scriptures is to be a daily thing. You cannot. It is simply impossible to beware of false prophets when you are not giving heed to the true prophets, when you're not reading the Lord's Word. But again, this is difficult. The second problem. But there is a third problem that we have with this command of Jesus. And this is, at least for me, the very most difficult as I stand here and preach the text to you, because at this point in the sermon, you're expecting to, things to switch from law to gospel, right? We don't give heed to the Lord's Word. We don't like to be critical. We don't like to read our Bibles, but Jesus forgives you. But here's the problem. This command is not like other commands. When we, when we preach against murder, we say things like, look, Jesus forbids you to do it. Don't do it. But even if you're angry, you do. But that's why Jesus died, so your sins can be forgiven. When we preach about stealing, we do the same sort of thing. Jesus says, you shall not steal. But we all do, even when we're greedy, etc. But He died specifically for that sin. There's forgiveness for all of our sins. There's gospel. There's the blood of Jesus that forgives your sins. But this commandment is different because the thing that's at stake is the gospel itself. The entire point of false doctrine is to cut you off from the Lord's forgiveness. The entire effort of the false teacher, the very thing that the devil is after, is your faith. To, to steal away from you the truth that Jesus died for your sins. And if you have followed after the false prophet, if you've listened to the false teacher, if you've let them convince you, that what they say is true, then the devil has you. And your destruction is sure. Holding to false doctrine is unbelief. 
Holding on to false doctrine is rejecting the Gospel. Holding on to false teaching is casting off forgiveness. You can make it to heaven surrounded by a pretty messy life. You can drag along some pretty ugly sins with you to the door of death and, 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 and heaven itself as long as you've got the Gospel. But if you don't have the Gospel, that's it. There's no second chance. This is why, dear saints, the devil's chief aim and goal is that you would believe false teaching. That is, that you would think that the blood of Jesus is not for you. That you would think that you don't need the forgiveness of your sins or that you don't have the forgiveness of your sins. That is what the devil is after. And that is why Jesus is so stark and clear in His words, in His warning, in His instruction, in His command. Beware of false prophets. We have a sense of the urgency. We have comfort as well. I mean, the devil is here with his false teachers trying to steal away the gospel bit by bit or all together. But Jesus is not far from us. He hasn't given up this fight. He is not content to let us be led away by the false teachers and brought into error. No, Jesus is here. And we have the comfort that with the same urgency that Jesus commands us to reject false doctrine, He has that same urgency when He comes to teach the truth. When He comes to promise the forgiveness of all of your sins. When He comes to give you a clean conscience by taking away all of your guilt and all of your shame. When He comes with His death and His resurrection and His blood and brings it to your ears, He comes with urgency to keep you in His truth. And so, dear saints, who have the devil constantly tempting you, to despise for uh, being aware of false prophets, to fear being aware of false prophets, to, uh, to not even know how to beware of false prophets. You, dear saints, have the true prophet. You have Jesus. You have His forgiveness. You have His love. You have His truth. And He has you. And this, in the end, is our comfort and peace. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.